0: until the Holy Spirit says stop. Amen. And more than likely that'll be verse 17. <laughs> By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. one's life for his friends you are my friends if you do whatever i command you no longer do i call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends for all things i have heard from my father i have made known to you you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Amen. You and I will never regret accepting, embracing the love of God. I want to preach Jesus loves you. Just look at somebody wherever you are, say Jesus loves you. Now, if you're gonna say it, you gotta say it with a smile, amen. You can't talk about God loving somebody with a frown, mean mugging, or ice grilling, amen. You got to put some cheer. Amen. And behind love. Uh, Jesus loves me. Amen. We learned that song in Sunday school. Amen. Lord, bless your word, bless your preacher. We pray now that we hear from you, your words, my mouth. Let your word go forth with power. Lord, preach through your preacher. Let your word fall on fresh and fertile ground. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus loves me. Look at somebody say, "Jesus loves you." Knowledge is power. Anyone who possesses even a modicum and tonighty amount of knowledge can testify to the empowering presence of knowledge in your life. Knowledge enriches, enhances, enables, encourages, equips, and empowers. Knowledge is power. Knowledge of Scripture empowers us to live as disciples who are devoted discerning, and determined to live in the will of God. Knowledge of current events equips us to look out for the least lost and left behind. Knowledge of the enemy and the enemy's schemes encourages us to be strong in the Lord, lest we become bamboozled, led astray, hoodwink, and run amok. Knowledge of our abilities, gifts, and talents equips us to find our fit, discover our destiny, and play our part in the sacred drama of life. Knowledge of African-American culture and history enhances our esteem, and strengthens our sense of self. Knowledge is power. According to this familiar New Testament text, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, is addressing the important issue of God's love. As Jesus is speaking to his disciples, Jesus is describing the dynamic and nature of god's radical amazing supernatural love for humanity according to this text god loves jesus consequently jesus loves his disciples the same way that god loves jesus this dynamic of relationship that exists between God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit is not unique or radical. There is a mutual love, affection that exists between and among the Trinity. God the Father God loves God loves the Son, the Son loves the Holy Spirit and there is a sacred trinitarian relationship that is based upon love between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What is significant, however, is that God loves Jesus, but Jesus loves his disciples with the same love that God loves his Son. It is not hard-pressed for God to love a perfect, sinless Savior. But it is significant for Jesus to love men and women who are amiss, broken, carnal, distracted, confused, inadequate, and who don't live up to everything they ought to live up to. Jesus loves his disciples. Despite the imperfection among his disciples, Jesus loves his disciples. And like Jesus loved the 12 over 2,000 years ago, The same love that Jesus possessed for them is the same love that Jesus possesses for you and I, who are contemporary disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are flawed, yet Jesus loves us. We are broken, yet Jesus loves us. We are inadequate. Yet Jesus loves us. We are sinners. Yet Jesus loves us. We are wretched. Yet Jesus loves us. We miss the ball. Yet Jesus loves us. We miss the mark. Yet Jesus loves us. We fumble the ball. Yet Jesus loves us. What is significant on this Sunday is that we are loved with an everlasting love by our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And as we come on this Sunday morning before Valentine's Day, every Christian should and can be assured and confident that Jesus loves us. And none of us, I don't care who you are, will ever regret knowing and believing and embracing that Jesus loves you. I don't know anybody who is sane who will regret believing, embracing, and accepting the fact that Jesus loves us. And if the truth be known on this Sunday morning, unless we accept, embrace, and believe that Jesus loves us, we will be hard-pressed to live the Christian life. The Christian life does not begin with us loving God. The Christian life begins with God loving Jesus, in turn loving you and I. And if you and I don't accept, embrace, and believe that God loves us, we will be hard-pressed to give what we have yet to comprehend and receive. Many of us can't love one another because we have not yet accepted the fact that God loves us. You can't give what you don't have. Unless we accept that God loves us, we can't love our wives, our spouses, our children, our brothers and sisters in Christ. You can only give what you have first received. And once we have received the unconditional, radical, supernatural, voluntary love of Almighty God, you and I then can in turn love people made in the image of God. Once God, once I accept that God loves me, I can encourage you, I can pray for you, I can forgive you, I can go the second mile, I can give you a pass. Once I accept that God loves me, I can in turn love you, but until I accept that God loves me, I will be hard-pressed. To love my neighbor, can I preach this word? The text says that Jesus loves his disciples, and how does Jesus love his disciples? Y'all gonna help me preach? Watch chapel. Jesus, first of all, loves his disciples prayerfully. You know something about the relationship that existed between Jesus and his disciples that we find in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know that Jesus invested a lot of time praying for his disciples. Before Jesus called the twelve, Jesus spent time with God, praying for who God wanted him to choose and select including Judas. Not only did he pray for them before he selected them, he prayed for them during the entirety of his three-and-a-half-year sojourn on earth. Not did he just pray for them while he was on earth. Jesus right now is at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession on our behalf. Jesus loves us prayerfully and if you ever love somebody help me preach this you know you have spent time interceding for them praying for them that they might become all that God wants them to become for those of us who are Christians there is no such thing as loving somebody without praying for them If you love somebody, you will pray for them. Can I preach this? If you love somebody, you won't hate on them, but you will pray for them. If you love somebody, you won't gossip about them, but you will pray for them. If you love somebody, you won't tear them down, but you will pray for them. If you love somebody, you won't expose their stuff, but you will pray for them. Jesus prays for his disciples. And as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are called to love one another, we are called to pray one for another. Jesus loves us prayerfully. Good news, Watch Chapel, is right now, as I'm trying to preach the best I can, the Lord is praying for me. As you and I are going through life on terra firma, God is praying for us as we are seeking to make sense out of nonsense. The Lord Jesus is praying for us. It is one thing for me to pray for you. But it's another thing for Jesus Christ to pray for you. I wish I had some help right now. When the Lord God prays for you, miracles happen. When the Lord God prays for you, strongholds are torn down. When the Lord God prays for us, deliverance takes place. When the Lord Jesus prays for us, there's no limitation to what God can do because Jesus has all power. He prays for me. He loves me prayerfully, but he just doesn't love me prayerfully. He loves me progressively. Uh, What you mean, preacher? He he loves me progressively. If If you read John 15, and I encourage you to read it slowly, there's a progressive motif. That takes place from John 15, verse 1, until we get to the end of the chapter. John 15 begins by talking about God as the vine dresser, and you and I as branches, and Jesus as the vine. it talks about how we'll bear fruit, but then he'll purge the branch so it'll bear more fruit, and then not just fruit, but more fruit, but then much fruit. But then it doesn't stop right there, Sam. It talks about how you are no longer servants, but I've called you friends. Because a servant does not know what his master is doing, and I've called you friends because you are not just servants, but we are now friends. There is a motif of progression, and Jesus loves us progressively because he doesn't stop loving us until we become all that he wants us to become. Let me help somebody on this Sunday morning. We are works in progress. I am not yet what I'm going to become. Thank God I ain't what I used to be. Thank God I ain't what I used to be. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. But praise be to God, I am a work in progress. And as a work in progress, He doesn't give up on me. He doesn't turn me about. He doesn't give up on me, but He's faithful. And the Lord loves us progressively. In other words, uh, everybody can relate to this. Uh, all of us began school more than likely in preschool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Learn how to socialize. Learn how to play with other folk. Learn how to. Amen. We don't stop there. Come on, talk to me. We. Go to elementary school, where we begin to learn more, the elementary basics, foundations. Then wherever you make it to middle school, junior high school, make it to high school because education and growth is progressive. Our parents, amen, somebody help me preach, did not release us after preschool, didn't take us out of school after elementary school, didn't take us out of school after middle school or junior high school, didn't take us out of school after high school. Some of them sent us to college, sent us to the military, sent us to trade school, sent us to places where we could learn, grow, and progress. And what a God, what a Savior, who just doesn't give up on us, who doesn't turn his back on us, who loves us progressively. And as a work in progress, praise be to God, God doesn't give up on you. God doesn't turn his back on us. God does not shrink us. God does not set a ceiling above our head and say, you've gone enough now. It's time for you to stay where you are, but God keeps on growing us. God keeps on maturing us. God keeps on developing us. God keeps allowing experiences to stretch us, mature us, and grow us to become who God wants us to become. That's the work of sanctification. Can I go to elementary school right now? Can I go to seminary? I ain't just talking about justification where He saves you, but sanctification is where God keeps growing us, keeps maturing us, keeps developing us until we experience glorification on the other side of Corey. He loves me prayerfully, He loves me progressively. But I can't stop right there. He loves me providentially. Hear me. Some of us have listened to the wrong preachers. There are some preachers who will convince you if God loves you, you will never go through difficult days. You'll never go through stormy nights. You'll never get sick. But you'll be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And if you don't experience health, wealth, and prosperity, it's because you don't have enough faith. No greater lie has been told. Praise God for good preaching. Praise God for good preachers. Praise God for those who sound the trumpet with no other agenda but to preach the good news of the gospel. God loves us prayerfully. Loves us progressively, but he loves us providentially. Preacher, what do you mean providentially? In order to grow us, to become who God wants us to become every now and then. Go back to John 15. God will purge the tree, or God will prune the tree. So the tree will become more fruitful and meet its optimal, maximal potential. And nobody becomes who God wants them to become without an experience of pruning. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. You may be in a season of pruning right now. And there are some people who believe when you go through, that's a sign that God has turned God's back on you. That ain't the truth, honey. When you go through, that's a sign that God is pruning you for his glory and your good. No tree produces fruit without being pruned. Yes, you'll produce some fruit, but you will never reach your optimal, maximal potential unless you go through pruning. And every now and then, God, because God loves us, will allow us to go through seasons where we are pruned. And we wonder, why God, why? Why am I going through what I'm going through? I've given you the best of my service, and I'm still going through. I put my best foot forward, and I'm still going through. I did everything you told me to do, and I'm still struggling. But let me preach the good news to somebody. The providence of God means that God can take the bad stuff recycle it, and use it for our good. That's what it means when God loves us providentially. God will allow us to go through tough seasons, but use them for our good. That's what Romans 8.28 is all about. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose so we might become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what the providence of God is all about. God can take my tears and turn them into a smile. God can take my midnight and turn it into midday. God can take my tests and turn it into a testimony. God can take my burdens and turn them into a blessing. God can turn my wounds and make me a wounded healer. God can take my pain and turn it into praise god can take my difficult days and use them for my deliverance does anybody have a testimony that god loves you providentially you thought it was the worst thing in your life and wondered why you were going through what you went through but god got involved showed up right on time and turned your pain into joy turn your yesterday into a bright tomorrow Turn your hell into a heaven. And now on the other side, you got a testimony. You can say, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. I've seen him show up. I've seen him answer my prayers. I've seen him turn stuff around. I've seen him heal my body. I've seen what he's done for others. It ain't no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do for you. Can he do it? Can he do it? Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it?
1: He loves me.
0: He loves you. He's praying for you right now. He loves you progressively. He ain't going to give up on you. God ain't going to turn his back on you. He's going to keep growing you, keep maturing you. But he loves you providentially. The bad stuff, the difficult days, the drama, the stress, the sleepless nights. If you give him a chance, He'll take the bad and work it for your good. I said, He'll take the and work it for your good. Somebody on this Sunday morning, if you're not saved, you don't have a church home, You don't, you've yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, I want you to go to the Contact Us tab or go... You can scan right now the sanctified scanners. We'll receive you, my sister. We'll receive you, my brother. Family, we'll receive you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. To become a member of the Watch Chapel Missionary Baptist Church. Hear me, somebody. Everybody goes through. Trust God to turn it around for you. Trust God to turn it around. You wonder why you're going through what you're going through. Sometimes we go through so we might know how to love people five years from now. You're in a lonely season. Seems like you are friendless. All the people you thought were your friends, they fake plastic You thought, you know, Valentine's Day was going to be right, but sometimes God allows us to go through so we might be better friends to people down the road. Sometimes if we don't have challenging experiences, we don't really learn compassion. We don't learn love. We'll think we ought to catch me out. And when we show up, everything is supposed to go our way, but then life happens. And then you discover, well, no, I ain't to catch me out. I ain't the best thing since sliced bread. There's some other bread that some other folk like. They, I mean, I'm wheat bread, but...
1: Some folk. <laughs>
0: they like biscuits. They don't like wheat bread, eh? Watch Chapel, we appreciate you. We love you. We ask that you would continue serving, giving, tithing, praying. I express my appreciation to every member, disciple of Watch Chapel, who gives faithfully, cheerfully, and obediently. We ask that you text to give WCMBC seven three two five six. You give through PayPal can give through Cash App. You can give through United States Postal Service. We appreciate everything that you do to make Watch Chapel the great church that we are becoming. May God bless you real good. Come on, choir. We Hey, saints, we have a video from our African-American cultural ministry that's going to bless us. Don't turn off, don't tune out. Amen, saints.
2: At its height in the 1960s, the civil rights movement drew children teenagers, young adults in the meetings, marches, violence, and in some cases, imprisonment. Why did so many young people decide to become activists for social justice? My name is Elijah Jacobs, and today I share four roles and sacrifices made by children and young people in the civil rights movement. At age 14, tortured and brutally murdered by two white men in Money, Mississippi, because a white woman said he had flirted and whistled at her. His murders were found not guilty by an all-white jury, although they confessed to the crimes. Emmett Till's death sparked the civil rights movement. On May 17, 1954, the Supreme Court combined five separate cases in what was to be called Brown versus the Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas. This case declared it to be unconstitutional for state laws to first, establish separate public schools for black and white students, and secondly, to deny black children equal educational opportunity. On a city bus after school, Claudette Colvin refused to give up her seat to a white woman, so she was dragged off the bus and arrested, yelling, it's my constitutional right to sit where she wanted on the bus. Claudette's Case, along with others in Browder v. Scale, went to the Supreme Court in 1956 and won. Segregation on city buses was ruled unconstitutional. In 1957, many African-American students tried to integrate schools across the country after the 1954 Brown v. Board of Education decision. Little Rock School Board selected these nine students. Members of the 101st Airborne Division of the U.S. Army escorted the Little Rock Nine, with each student having his or her own escort. Ernest Green was the first African-American graduate of Central High School, May 1958. My name is Elijah Jacobs. The role played by children helped to maintain the foundation of the Civil Rights Movement. This is Black History. And this is the story of us.